and welcome to episode 31 of the MTG Conflicts Cast. My name is Steven, and unfortunately, due to sickness and scheduling issues, I will be your only host today. Uh, in this short episode, we'll be taking a look at this past weekend's SCG event in Atlanta. So let's just jump into it with our weekly roundup, where I tell you what I played this week and what I played against. Um, as far as tournament-wise event, I only got to play one event, which was a Thursday night magic event, and I played Amulet. I unfortunately went 1-3. and three. I was aiming for 2-2 two, two by the end of the night. Uh, but unfortunately, kind of like the first time that's ever happened with the deck, I miscounted how many land drops I had, and I ended up not being able to pay for a pact on upkeep, which was uh, pretty embarrassing, especially since I was so far ahead of my opponent. Uh, but just another another t opportunity to learn is what I call it. Uh, I also got to play some EDH this past week, got to play with my Enchantress deck, and it was, uh, turns out, uh, a, a little way more powerful than I thought it was. <laughs> um, I kind of just did the thing where I play a couple of Enchantresses, and I just draw a bunch of cards, and end up having way, 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 way more value than my opponent's. And, uh, it, it was one of those games where you could tell nobody else was having fun except for me. Uh, but, uh, I misplayed a few, uh, a few times. I miscounted some stuff and ended up losing that game. Um, turns out you kind of need a win condition. Nah, I didn't have one, so, yeah, that was that. <laughs> uh, as far as cool decks that I saw this past week, uh, Reed Duke posted a... Uh, a new version of Jund. It he titled it as Fast Jund. It's a little more low to the ground, has a lot more two drop threats, uh, and you cut back on a Bloodbraid Elf and your three drops a little bit. So it's uh, running four Inquisition, two Thought Seize, four Lightning Bolt. There's a Spell Bomb in the main board, and that's because you want as many ways as possible to get Grimflayer to be a four four. Um, you're running for Tarmogoyf, two Scavenging Ooze, four Dark Confidant. As far as Planeswalkers go, you're running uh, four Lilies, and they're just of the Veil. A Kolagon's Command, two Maelstrom Pulse, and three Bloodbraid Elf, and a Fatal Push. Uh, as far as the mana base is concerned, there's not a lot of crazy things going on with the mana base. As far as sideboard is concerned, you get some pretty cool... Um, tricks up your sleeve here. We throw in another Fatal Push into the sideboard. Two Collective Brutality, a Lily of the Last Hope kind, uh, an Engineered Explosives, a Grafdigger's Cage, another Nihil Spellbomb, uh, a Grimlob Mentor, two Grudges, four Fulminators, or excuse me, three Fulminators, a Kitchen Finks, and a Duress. Uh, this looks a lot like the sideboard that I've been running in Junt, although it's uh, kind of missing the four drops that I play, uh, but that's Primarily, probably, because you're trying to stay as low to the ground as possible. But yeah, I just thought that was a, an interesting deck. Um, and I'm actually considering building that for the upcoming weeks when I decide to switch back over to Jund uh, for a little while. And that's about it for Weekly Roundup. Uh, let's just hop into the SCG events that happened. It was in Atlanta. We got uh, a team open, and then we got three separate classics. One for each format, constructed format. I'll go ahead and start with the 
open portion, which was a team event. And uh, we'll just go over the top four teams and what they played, and then I'll go over some day two breakdown stuff. Uh, In first place, we have uh, White Red Taxes and Legacy, Humans in Modern, and Blue White Control and Standard. In second place, we have Red Black Aggro and Standard, Bant Spirits and Modern, and Turbo Depths and Legacy. In third, we have Sultai Constrictor in Standard, Mono Red Prison in Legacy, and Humans in Modern. And in fourth place, we have Red Black Aggro in Standard, Affinity in Modern, and Grixis Delver in Legacy. Yeah, I found I found these these was pretty interesting in the uh, the top four for each of their each of their formats. What I was really interested to see is that the Grixis Delver player ended up in uh, fourth place instead of first place, kind of contradicting what I thought to be kind of like the best deck in the format, kind of this uh, this amazing deck that couldn't be beaten. But again, because it's a team event, you know, not every deck has to win their tournaments or their matches. So um, there could be some sort of variance there. Um, I did thumb through the affinity list because why wouldn't I? And uh, there's nothing too crazy going on there. Pretty pretty stock. It's running two welding jar, which, uh, you know... Uh, I've been been heavily, heavily saying that Affinity players should be playing two welding jars, um, and it's also running some some new spice from this past set. We have a single, the Antiquities War in the sideboard. It's a four mana enchantment saga. It's blue and three. Uh, the first two modes, it says, look at the top five cards of your library. You may, you may reveal an artifact card from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. And then the third mode is artifacts you control become uh, artifact creatures with base power, toughness, base power and toughness 5-5 five, five until the end of turn. So on the third turn, so on turn 7, if you play a song curve... Uh, you get all your artifacts to be 5-5 five, five dudes, which is a pretty hefty threat, but for 4 mana is, I feel like, a little difficult to to get on board. I'm also thinking about what decks you play this against, and you probably bring this in against um, really grindy matchups, um, where you know your threats aren't, your creature threats aren't going to resolve or they're not going to last. So you play, you know... Uh, Spring leaf, a couple spring leaf drums, a couple mox opals, a couple welding jars. Uh, you know, you play your dark seal citadels. And for the most part, all that stuff is pretty safe. Uh, but the minute you land this antiquities war, um, now there's a looming threat that all of those tiny artifacts, even the cranial plating that you that your opponent let resolve because they have enough answers for your creatures, now that cranial plating becomes a serious threat becoming a 5-5, or getting equipped onto another 5-5. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's an interesting slot, and I think it needs a little bit more testing, but it could find its new home as a 1 of Infinity. It would be pretty cool. Uh, it's also running two Dampening Spears, which is a card that we talked about in our last cast that we expected to do well, or kind of be a standout in Dominaria. 
Um, I'm kind of curious as to why there's two dampening spears, but maybe that's just me. Maybe this person was especially worried about uh, Storm. Uh, maybe they were worried about uh, Storm. I, I don't really see Affinity using this card other than to stop Storm, um, but that could just be my take. I, I feel like Affinity has a pretty favorable matchup against the... Um, against the big mana decks you know it, it's not so much of a race it's kind of just keeping good hands at that point uh taking a look at our number one for standard it was blue white control um nothing too crazy here we have some seal aways because that's a great card we have a blink of an eye which um you know saw some slate uh, the the fu it's a functional reprint of Into the Royal. Uh, Into the Royal is also some play in standard, so um, I definitely expected Blink of an Eye to to see some play. We see a couple copies of Commit to Memory, um, you know, four copies of Settle, one of Search as Kanta, Search for Kanta, two Fumigates, and we also see three Teferi here of Dominaria. Uh, I think it's a, an excellent standout uh, control card. It's uh, blue, white, and three, so it's five mana. It's plus one is draw a card at the beginning of the next end step, draw two lands. It's minus three is put target non-land permanent into its owner's library third from the top. And then it's minus eight is you get an emblem with whenever you draw a card, exile target permanent and opponent controls. So a pretty powerful card if it goes unresolved. Um, I expect to see Teferi popping up uh, more often. I think the plus one ability is just crazy. And then if you just happen to get to minus eight, and then it's just gravy at that point. Um, it's also running, you know, four Trenchal Gear Hulks, as expected. Um, but nothing too crazy outside of that. The sideboard did have something interesting, in my opinion. It was running a uh, Exile Target Artifact or Enchantment Cycle for two. It's Forsake the Worldly, and it's white and two mana. Um, I'm not totally sure why we're not just playing the one mana destroy uh target enchantment or artifact for converted mana cost or less um maybe because it cycles but in my opinion if you're bringing in a card like this you probably just want to keep it in your hand because it's kind of like uh currently in standard if you want to break an artifact or enchantment you're kind of hoping to hit kind of their win condition um at least that's what my understanding of it is it is uh you know i, I think there's merit to having it cycle, but in my opinion, you probably just want to have it in your hand. Uh, maybe you see two of them. That's probably worth cycling out. It is running two Karn in the sideboard, which I predicted is probably going to be in every deck moving forward. I don't see why it wouldn't be. It's a pretty good card advantage card, starting at five loyalty and only going uh, and plusing up to six when it when it enters the battlefield and getting you some card advantage. It's just an overall great card. I, I honestly would consider putting it in the main board over, you know, let's say you're running four Glimmer of Genius, four Settle of the Wreckage. I'd probably cut a Settle of the Wreckage and a Glimmer of Genius to put in a card. Uh, it just seems like a really powerful, really powerful card. Uh, this deck is also playing Lyra Dawnbringer. In the sideboard it is White White and 3, Legendary Creature Angel, Flying, First Strike, Lifelink, Other Angels you control get plus 1, plus 1, and have a Lifelink, and it is a 5-5. Five, five. I, I would assume this is just kind of a finisher card against more aggressive decks. 
Um, being able to wipe the board and then play this is probably pretty powerful. Um, yeah, and then not too much other of uh, Dominary cards, not much spice going on here. And then taking a look at the humans list, we see a very pretty standard humans list. There's nothing new about it. It's just uh, playing a couple Damfitting Spears in the sideboard. Uh, I believe John also said that Damfitting Spear was probably going to be a standout, uh, was going to be included in a lot of modern decks moving forward because it's a pretty great answer to Storm. Um, as if humans needed another answer for Storm. Um, and then taking a look at the first place white-red taxes list, you know, we're playing, uh, we're actually playing two copies of Dire Fleet Daredevil, which is pretty interesting. We have Magus the Moon, Mother of Runes, Recruit of the Guard, Stoneforge. We have a Rind Wingmare, which is interesting. We also have Pia and Kiran Nalar, uh, which I feel like is an interesting choice, uh, at four mana feels a little too slow for me, but that could just be my opinion. And as far as equipment gets to go, Battle Skull, Sword of Fire, nice. Umazel's Jete, we also have four Sword Splashers. Kind of looks like a pretty normal white, mono-white mono Deathman Taxes. Uh, the spice that I see here is there's a Mind Break Trap. There's two Mind Break Traps in the sideboard. Mind Break Trap, for those who don't know, is Blue Blue 2. Instant, if an opponent casts three or more spells this turn, you may pay zero rather than pay Mind Break Traps, mana cost, exile, any number of target spells. Uh, very powerful against Storm, I would assume. Um, I feel like it's just one of those catch-all kind of, uh, you want to counter a bunch of my things in the same turn, I will try to resolve something big as my last card being played. Or, you know, just against Storm... When they try to storm off, you can just play Mindbreak Trap, and hopefully they don't have a Force of Will to counter your counter your spell. And then let's take a look, quick look at the day two meta breakdown for this event. So I'll only be looking at the first two decks that have the most day two uh, appearances. In standard, we have mono red aggro with six and red black aggro with four. Um, looks like aggro is still a good way to go, but also we're at the beginning of a new cycle, so it could just be that aggro is the easiest to play out of all of them. There might be a better deck kind of hiding in the shadows, um, waiting for somebody to really fine tune it. Uh, but for now, we're seeing, you know, aggro just being the initial go-to deck in standard. In modern we have 10 copies of humans and three copies of black red hollow one. Um, kind of a huge jump there from 10 to 3 uh, compared to any of the other jumps. Um, maybe humans was just really good Good choice for the weekend. Maybe there was a lot of Storm. As far as Storm is concerned, it only has two copies showing up into day two. I would assume that the ten copies of Humans did uh, its work and beat Storms down pretty good. Uh, in Legacy, we have Grixis Delver with eight and Turbo Depths with four. Uh, kind of what I said, echoing what I said earlier, Grixis Delver is just one of the best decks in the format. And I feel like it's kind of hard to beat. So this this makes sense. 
Turbo Depth is also just a hard deck to interact with unless you're playing Wastelands, and even then, it's it's still hard to play. It, an experienced player is going to know how to play around a few Wastelands, and you only have four in your deck. Moving on to the SEG Classics, I'm just going to go over the top four deck lists in each category. I'm going to go ahead and start with Modern, then Legacy, and then Standard. Uh, so in Modern, we have Counters Company in first, Black Red Hollow One in second, Grixis Death Shadow in third, and Counters Company in fourth. Uh, pretty interesting to see Counters Company making into a top four, kind of... Uh, Kind of been off the radar for a little while. In Legacy, we have first place Miracles, second place Sneak and Show, third place Grixis Delver, and fourth place Miracles. Um, I always like seeing Miracles in the top of the format, but I also always just expect to see Grixis Delver at this point. Such a good deck, such a good deck. And in Standard, we have Green Black Constrictor in first, Blue White Historic in second, Blue White Approach in third, and Blue White Control in fourth. Pretty interesting that we have three blue white decks in the top four, and the other one is a green black deck. Um, Constrictor, of course, is is a deck that we've been seeing for a long time. It's nothing new. It's playing the uh, the Winding Constrictor, which adds another counter on top of whatever other counter you're adding to a permanent. So cards like Virgus Gear Hulk, Walking Ballista get really good. Merfolk, anything with a Anything that explores gets a little bit better because you have the opportunity to put two plus one plus one counters instead of one. This copy is also, this version of the deck is also just running three card. Great card, good card advantage. Won't go on about it too much. It is playing the Adventurous Impulse, which is uh, one green. Look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or a land from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest in the bottom of any order. I think this is a great card for this deck. It's looking for the resources to play your creatures. And if you have those resources, you're looking for the creatures to cast, especially because you're running 22 of them. It's kind of be it's going to be pretty hard to miss on, on Adventurous Impulse. But it will happen, I'm sure. Uh, I'm pretty interested in this blue-white historic deck that got second place. It's just plain historic stuff that cares about historic stuff, you know? So, uh, it's playing Walking Ballista, Merkfolk Trickster, Lyra Dawnbringer, Trenchal Gear Hulk, but also it's running Raph Capuchin, Ship's Mage. It's a blue-white 2, has flash, flying. You may cast Extore spells as though they had flash, and all historic spells are artifact, legendaries, and sagas. So you're able to cast a fair amount of your stuff on instant speed. Mostly because if it doesn't have instant speed already, you're giving it the ability to have instant speed at 4 mana. I can imagine this is kind of one of the mid-range kind of decks. Um, probably not looking, out, looking to aggro out your opponent, but... Just kind of whittle them down to nothing. It's running a couple copies of Commit to Memory, Settle the Wreckage, Wizard's Retort, which I hope is a really great card in this format. Uh, also a couple copies of Blink the Eye, Seal Away, History of Belania. Uh, and this is a an enchantment saga. It's white, white, and one. Its first two modes creates a 2-2 white knight creature with vigilance and its third mode says knights you control get plus two plus one until the end of turn so yeah i think this is a i think this enchantment specifically is probably pretty good for the mid-range deck on turn three you get to put a body out 
On turn four, you get to put a free body out, and then on turn five, those bodies get buffs if they're still around. Um, but also, it says knights, so you can also possibly use that with um, any other card that says knight on it, which would be pretty cool. It's also running two copies of Teferi. Uh, like I said before, it's just a great card in these colors, and control decks will probably be running it for a long time. And if you're running into the late game, Teferi in this deck specifically will do amazing for you. Uh, the sideboard doesn't have anything too spicy. It's also running a Forsake the Worldly, um, which again, I'm just kind of... If you have it in your hand, you probably want to keep it. Uh, and to me, those were the kind of standouts in Standard. And if there was a deck that I didn't talk about that you wanted to look at more in depth, you can check the links down below. I'll go ahead and link all the tournament results down there so you can figure out or go test one of these new standard decks and figure out which one you want to play for the upcoming season. And I think that moves us into Slot of the Week, where I tell you about what card I'm totally hyped to play in my 75. And this week I'm picking a standard card. I think I'm going to hop back into standard for a little while. Modern is getting a little bit too boring, a little bit too predictable for me, personally. Um, not predictable in the sense that the decks are the same, but just predictable in the sense that uh, the people that I play against usually show up on the same days, so I kind of know what they're all playing, and they kind of know what I'm playing, so it just kind of gets a little bit repetitive after a while, so I'm going to go ahead and try Standard for a little while. Uh, my card is Seal Away. It was one of my standouts from Dominaria last week. I think Seal Away is going to fit perfectly in my Blue, White, and Bomb deck, uh, and I will be giving it a a spin seeing how it performs and that about wraps us up for this episode thank you for checking us out and sticking around till the very end if you're wondering where you can find more content you can head over to mtgconflicts.com you can also find us on facebook twitter and youtube under the same username mtgconflicts one word and if you have any suggestions or comments that you'd like us to read please feel free to shoot us a message on one of those platforms we'd really 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 appreciate the feedback and again, thanks for sticking around and we'll hope you join us in the next one. Later.